You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and this week I am joined by Mark Bergman from uh, Burcom, who uh, is based over in the States, and I'll let Mark introduce himself and his business uh, in just a moment. But today we're going to be talking about balancing family and non-family involvement within a family business. And this is something Mark has done successfully. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to um, get Mark on to have a chat about how he's achieved that with his business. So firstly, Mark, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, And as I say, you've successfully um, balanced family and non-family involvement within your business. But before we get into that, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about your background, your history as to to how the business came about uh, and uh, the structure of it now. Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, I guess to get started, I'm 60 years old and um, been what you might call a serial entrepreneur since uh, the first company was launched in 86. That was a small company, uh, started out with uh, basically all the businesses have been started around a patented product that uh, came from me one way or another. In 86, it was feeding my young son at the time and doing the airplane spoon, open the hanger, here comes the airplane. And... Uh-huh patented a spoon in the shape of an airplane and called it the food flyer. And at the time, Uh uh, a buddy and I were sharing an office together doing financial planning for a big company. And uh, when we got through the patent process and realized that we could get protection on it, we uh, quit our jobs there and moved into his basement as an office and started manufacturing with a local plastics company and um, shipping these food flyers out of his garage. And at that time, we, we, knew, we knew nothing about a business. We had no computers back then. We didn't know how to ship products. So um, to give you an idea, that's where, that's where this, this adventure started. Some people look at the way things are today and think, wow, that was really easy. Look at the success they've had and look at the business yeah. they've grown. Well, I think I'm like most people. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't start that way. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh-huh. a lot of turns in the road and, um, you just do the best you can to navigate. So, uh, yeah. do you want me to go on from there and kind of get you up to speed with, uh, where we are at Burcom and when that started? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. So from 86, we developed all kinds of different products, all for kids, started importing. And then that seemed to wind down. And in the year 2000, I was doing a lot of painting at our, just around the house. I'm not a professional painter. I was typical do-it-yourselfer. And um, 
painting the basement. We were remodeling, putting another bedroom there because we were getting ready to go to uh, uh, China to adopt daughter. So we uh-huh. had to create another room. We have uh, that was going to be child number four. So um, uh-huh. painting typically. I would use a coffee can to hold the paint while I, w- while I was cutting in before rolling the walls. And I was hanging onto the, the Folgers uh-huh. coffee can. You can see it on our website. My hand got tired hanging onto the can. So I grabbed some duct tape, the silver duct tape, and made a strap so that you could kind of slide your hand underneath the strap and pressed against the can. So you weren't really you weren't yeah. really grasping anything. You were just sliding your hand in there, and it it seemed to work. And um, my wife used it some. My my son used it and said, you know, this is not this is not a bad idea. So when uh-huh. we finished the project, I brought it down to the patent attorney that I had used for years. And here gets back to my little introduction. It makes it much much easier to continue to develop products and go through that process if you've already done it. So many times uh, inventors, entrepreneurs uh, have no idea what to do with a concept or a product or a service if they've never done it before. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, we brought it down there. I I put it on, uh, Jim Young is his name. I put it on his desk and he looked at the can and looked at me and the can's all covered with paint. And he looked at me and said, really? You want me to do a patent search on this? I said, yeah, see what you come up with. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, there really, there really wasn't anything quite like it uh, described as a vessel with um, an adjustable strap to press your hand against the outside of the vessel. So we were able to obtain really, really good patent protection, both uh, multiple design patents and utility patents, which for people that don't know, utility patents are much stronger and, and better to defend in those last 20, yeah, those okay. last 20 years and design patents last 14 here in the, here in the U.S. So uh-huh. we started shipping the, um, the first handy paint pail in 02 and pretty much just myself and, um, my right-hand person, Dawn Schmieg, who's been with me since 86. She takes care of all the financial areas. And uh-huh. uh, it was basically just the two of us. We had some help in here to help us ship. But that's that's where we started, you know, uh, one product, a couple people, a little warehouse. And um, um, I was, uh, you know, the, the chief, the sales department and everything else that goes along with it. Uh-huh. So that's where it started. And at that time, did did you ever envisage that, I mean, obviously you had the idea that that going to the patent office and uh, seeing if you could get the idea um, patented would um, lead you to a product that is more sellable. But did you have any idea of the scale at which that would then become a success? You know, I I thought it might, it might truly be a success because there was nothing like it in everyone that I talked with. We've never really done focus groups per se, but everyone uh-huh. that I, I took the prototype to and um, looked at it, evaluated it, used it, said, I, I think I think you might have something here. Yeah. And um, 
with painting, there's so many there there's so many customers for a, a product like this, and we prove that to be true because we are able to sell this this product, the handy paint pail, to not only contractors, uh, the professional painters, but also the do-it-yourselfers, and both yeah. men and women. So it's got this broad um, appeal, which we've learned through the years uh, was very, very, very lucky. We didn't we didn't plan for that. It just plain happened. Just happened, yeah. And I guess the the brilliance behind it is that it, it does seem relatively simplistic in its nature. It's not, you know, you've not invented some space age um, chemical or, or commodity that, that is difficult for people to, to understand. It is very practical um, item to use that, that helps them save time and, uh, as you say, cramping in your hand when you're trying to paint. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny you said that because we learned that we've launched right now. We have a total of uh, 12 products, all, all four painting in one way or another. Most of them are different uh -huh. types of containers and the liners that go with them. But to your point, we've realized through all the years that the absolute, the easier a product is, to understand by just simply looking at it, um, that helps you step over a lot of hurdles and uh, increase sales. Just like going back yeah. to the airplane spoon, um, uh -huh. you didn't have to be brilliant to look at that hanging <laughs> in a store to figure out, well, that's a spoon and it looks like an airplane. And I bet it's for feeding children. So, yeah. um, same, same with the handy paint pill. It, you know, once people slide it on their hand, uh, they realize, boy, th th this, this could be a nice item. And then the yeah. ability, you know, the the magnet on the in, inside of of almost every every product we have, the built-in magnet to hold the uh, metal ferrule of the brush. Really, every uh -huh. paintbrush has that metal band they call the ferrule, and. Uh -huh. um, it keeps your it keeps your brush inside the paint and inside the pail, so it it uh, reduces uh, a lot of slopping around. Yeah, uh, and it does. It's not, I know when I'm painting, and you've got a, a bigger um, paint pot than than perhaps the brush is. If you drop the brush in, it, yeah. it's kind of the yeah. afternoon ruined because yeah. <laughs> you've then got to get it out and clean it. It's a it's a right pain. You're right. And, well, and the other thing I've learned through going through, going through this process is uh, um, almost everyone, if you get to be, say you get to be 30 years old, almost everyone, man, woman, whatever, has painted something. And yeah. um, whether it's a fence or, a or whatever, they've, they've painted something. And we've also grown to know that some people love to paint. They say it's therapeutic. It's a, <laughs> a wonderful way to change an entire room you know, inexpensively, and uh, they can do it themselves. So yeah. we fell into that. That wasn't by design. We just fell into a, a, a great category for a business. Mm -hmm. And so obviously that, that took off and was successful, and the business um, started to grow. Uh, yeah. At what point did you decide to bring family in? or Was it a conscious decision? Yeah. Um, well, because of the fact that I've been doing this similar business model since 86, since the kids were little, Chris, my son, who's here, was born in 83. And, and uh, uh -huh. 
So this is all they've known is coming into the warehouse and, and whether they've helped pack boxes or play on the forklift or whatever, they've been, they've been around the business. So when um, Chris graduated in, from college in 2005, um, we were a group of four people here and we needed some more sales help. So um, I talked to everybody here and, and said, well, what do you think? Should we offer Chris a sales job this summer after graduation and um, see if he's interested? Because I really hadn't, we hadn't talked much about it. And everyone here is obviously they've known him for, for a long, long time said, oh, it'd be, be great. So I approached it with Chris, um, laid out the job description and also said, we'd love to have you. And whether you uh-huh. come for a year uh, and decide I want to go back to school or there's, I, I want to travel or I want to become a teacher, whatever that might be, um, you'll learn something here in a year. And if you want to stay, great, there's lots of room or, um, you know, go on your merry way. And he said, I'd love to, I, I'd love to start. So 13 years later, he's still here. Fantastic. I'm thankful for that. Uh, and when you when you were outlining or, or talking to um, the the staff that were working there um, at that time, was it important to you that you had those discussions? Because a, a lot of times we find with family businesses that there can either be an assumption that the next generation is going to come into the business, and therefore it, it doesn't matter what people think; it's just the the next generation will come through. Uh, and other times it, it can be quite a difficult transition to make because people can believe that they're there via their surname rather than through merit. So it is a difficult balance to get, but it seems that from, from what you're saying there, just by being open with, with everybody, it's that it helps to oil that process. I, you, you are correct. And, um, you know, on the flip side of that, yes, we sat, we talked, uh, you, you think about it, what are they going to say? Well, no, we don't want your kid here. Uh, that would yeah. be helpful that they would say that. But um, it was the right thing to do to approach everyone. And uh-huh. they knew also that if it didn't work out or if Chris wanted to move on and go a different direction, everyone's good with that. But before Chris took the job, I had my uh, nephew in sales who's two years older than Chris. So we knew that the uh, the young bodies were perfect out in the field and going to trade shows and whatnot. Um, uh-huh. uh, but after two years, my nephew went to work for his dad, which we discussed from the beginning. So that was no surprise. But um, I, I do, I feel very, very lucky that we're able to work together as a family. So Chris has been here uh, since 05. Britta, my daughter, after graduation started in 08, so it'll be 10 uh-huh. years for her. And um, Chris's wife, Megan, uh, coming up this year will be four years for her. And it's just myself and, and eight, so um, it's, it's, it's heavy on the Bergman side, but yeah. um, we, make the, we make the absolute best of it. And that balance is and harmony is something that I get the impression is is part of the culture that you've created at um, Burcom. In that you say on your website that that those members that are outside of the the family are are still considered family. So so it it has a very family feel to the business. 
Um, and am I right in thinking your staff join only via referral rather than, say, an advertising for a job? Everybody here came from somebody we knew or even the, uh, the president here, Jeff Given, has been with me um, 14 years. Uh-huh. And uh, we met, he's been in this business, in this hardware paint business all his life. He's, uh, he'll soon be 48 and he's been in it since he was in his early twenties and his dad was in it. So he's got it in his blood and uh-huh. uh, he worked for another company here in Minnesota. So they helped me get started. We uh, shared a booth together. They allowed me to put product in their booth and uh, were very, very good to me. And Jeff was a uh, regional sales manager for them. So we were at trade shows together. We stood around in, in trade booths together for eight hours a day. And then we go out and have dinner and have some beer. And I realized this is the guy I need. This is the guy I need to have. So um, he and I started talking. It was a VP of uh, sales. That was the position I was offering. And uh, he said, I'd love to take it. There was, there was no real upside in the uh, company he was with due to the ages of the people above him and whatnot. So, um, I knew we wanted it. We talked about everything. And I said, well, I'm not going to offer the job to you until I talk to the president of his current company because I wanted no bad blood uh, in the industry. I didn't want to be known as a guy that goes around stealing employees. They've yeah. been too good to me. So um, the president and I went out for breakfast. I explained the situation. And he said uh, very, very graciously, um, Jeff's fantastic. I absolutely hate to lose him but I am the last guy to stand in his way. This is a tremendous opportunity for him and I wish uh-huh. him nothing but the best. So fantastic. Yeah. It just turned out great. Obviously he's here and how, how it also worked. He's about 13 years older than Chris and uh, you know, 16, whatever years older than, than Britta. So he's really their boss and that's the way it was, you know, I'm their dad, but uh, uh-huh. he's really their boss. And they, uh, they absolutely love him like a like a big brother, and he owns ten percent uh-huh. of business. So he's got uh, he's got skin in the game and um, and deserves deserves it all. He's been tremendous, fantastic, and and I'm I'm very interested interested in that dynamic. In that Je- Jeff, as you say, was brought in uh, as VP of Sales and, and effectively Chris's boss. Yeah, that again can be tricky to manage because if if jeff and chris didn't get on for example and it sounds as if that's far from the from the case that they they get on great but if they didn't get on chris's temptation is to come into you and go do you know what dad i I don't like this guy it's it's me or him which puts you in a very difficult position um and we hear that again amongst family businesses that if there are frustrations within the the business that are business related, but because it's the, because of the nature of family business, it might be son moaning to dad. It, it can seem as if a, someone's telling tales rather than actually following the correct uh, protocols when it comes to, to non-family firms. Have you found that a challenge at all in terms of managing that dynamic? If anything does ever sort of get to a frustrating point where you have to get the balance right between saying to Chris, actually, um, you're an employee here as well as being family and, and the business comes first or how do you manage that? 
You know, it, it again, that's a good question. And we've been lucky. I have not had to deal with any uh, end arounds, people coming to me because uh, their superior, uh, for whatever reason, they feel is being unfair or doing something uh, that, that doesn't represent our company the way they feel it should be. We have not, we have not had any of that. It, in fact, early on, I haven't heard it now for a while, but early on, the kids would just joke and when, when Jeff would say something or do something, whatever, everyone's got a sense right. of humor. Kids would say, fire him, dad, fire him, dad. <laughs> uh, be funny. And I still hear it on occasion just for humor, but uh, no, he, <laughs> he's just, he's just like family and everybody knows it. And like I said, Don, who's been with me since 86 uh, is just like, family and um it's just the way it is in fact as i sit here now looking out in the cot we have two babies in here too my two grandkids are here so Fantastic. uh they come in a couple of days a week so uh yeah it's it's a really really nice situation uh, and i'm just looking on your uh website um which we, we will put a link to in the show notes so so that people can can head over and have a look uh, and on there, there's a section that, that is called Brush Up on Us and, and then the Berkham Gang. Yeah. Uh, and there's a picture of you all stood, I'm presuming, is that at, that, at the office? Uh, and you're what wearing um, very colorful shirts yeah, 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 uh, and yeah. shorts. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's a phrase um, here that I love, and it says, The Berkham Gang is a small group that runs a successful business, works hard to get the job done, but also has a lot of fun along the way. If you don't like ping pong, pool, skateboarding, beer, shorts and flip-flops, sports center, paddleboarding, getting teased relentlessly or Friday afternoon barbecues, then Berkham isn't the place for you. Otherwise, stop on by, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is brilliant. And I think what's coming across is, is how much of an advantage having that type of culture um, allows you to have because you can blend that mix of family and non-family within a cultural environment that supports anybody um, and you have that teasing you have that fire him dad kind of um, approach to it and was that an easy culture to create or was it something that has taken a, a lot of effort to to get right I I would not say that it took a lot of effort it's kind of the uh uh, personality of almost everybody here. And mm -hmm. um, um, even thinking about the family dynamic, I was thinking about the podcast for today and how some families struggle when they are working together. And my thought on that, I, I was thinking about last night, that if a family doesn't get along outside of work, outside of the office. In other words, they don't vacation well together. They don't enjoy holidays together. Working together is not going to improve that. And um, our life here is pretty much the same as our, our life at home. We have uh, a very good uh, balance of what's important and what isn't. I've joked for years and years that people get a little bit wound up around here, I'll say, hey, we just sell pails here. No one's dying. We'll be fine yeah. if a shipment's late or whatever the case might be. Um, uh -huh. Just take a breath and, and we'll, we'll get through this. And that hasn't happened very often, but um, you just have to keep things in perspective. And um, 
think everybody does around here. They, they understand how lucky we are to be able to, to bring the babies in. And if we've had one that was sick this week, so little Jack, the 11 month old was home a couple days and the ability uh-huh. in today's world to work with your computer remotely, wherever you are, is an amazing uh, ability that we have here. People can work. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care where they are. And get your yeah. job done. And um, if you can't, somebody else, you know, will step in and help. So mm-hmm. it all works. Fantastic. And, and as you say, that that um, personality and culture definitely comes across on your um, site as well. Um, I, I do have to take issue with Chris, though. Okay. Um, in one of his pet peeves is Neil Diamond. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that. But, but there we go. We'll, we'll leave that one there. Well, the um, joke of, the joke of that is very quickly is most of us are huge Van Morrison fans, huge. Okay. And Jeff, on the other hand, is a huge Neil Diamond fan and really can't stand Van Morrison. So it's an, <laughs> on, it's an ongoing issue. That's probably the biggest issue we have here at the at the Burkhop. <laughs> so we'll get through it. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and you've brought Jeff in as um, president, and, and that's part of your succession planning. Am I, am I right in thinking that? You're right. It was, it was, uh, it'll be three years ago this summer. And uh, I was the president, and Jeff had been here now 10 years, and um, I, I obviously I'd trust him with my life. I trust him with everything. And the kids loved him, mm-hmm. loved working with him and everything. And I was thinking, even even if people look at the the value of our business, with me being out of the role as president and handing the reins over to Jeff, it just makes the company better because uh, I'm still here as CEO or chairman or whatever you want to call me, and Jeff really runs it. He we work very well together on product development and customer relations, things like that. But he's really uh, the day-to-day and um, has grown incredibly from his previous position, which was really primarily sales. So uh, he's part of the patent, you know, the patent project or programs and everything. So he works with all the attorneys now and um, he's taken a ton off my plate. Fantastic. And, uh, you don't have to share if you, if you don't want to, but in terms of your succession plan, do, do you have a date where you believe that you won't be involved in the business anymore? Or do you think it's something that you'll always be part of? You know, I, I just, we just had a long discussion this past fall. Jeff and I spent a lot of time together talking about that. And, uh, because I don't have to to be here every day. I'll be gone for you know weeks at a time, whether I'm up north at the cabin or if we travel or whatever. Um, everyone here is encouraged to make decisions without me, whether I'm here or not. Go ahead. Uh-huh. And um, I kind of committed, like I said, I'm 60. I, I kind of have, uh, there's nothing wrong with continuing this and hopefully continuing to grow till I'm 65. And then uh-huh. uh, we'll see where we are at, at that point in time. But that's kind of what I what I have in my in my head. Uh, and uh, again, um, w- with regards to, to so you say you're a, a, a serial entrepreneur rather than um, you know you're creative, you, you're inventive in that way, uh, and it, it's not as if you've got a nine to five role that 
you know, some civil servants have, have nine to five roles. They've got the calendar on the wall where they cross off the days as they're counting down to the day that they no longer have to go in. Um, they get their carriage clock and then uh, their office party and then Monday morning they're, they're up and, and don't yeah. really know what to do with themselves. Yeah. Um, how do you, how will you approach that in terms of if your involvement does reduce at 65, do you have uh, ideas around how you'll spend your time and get that sort of fulfillment? Yeah, but people ask me and say, what would you do? Well, I have so many things that I, I love to do. We've got some uh, property up north that keeps me very busy, whether it's um, cutting trees and firewood and splitting and mowing and all that stuff. With, with, I, I love good old non-thinking manual labor. Uh, I really mm-hmm. do enjoy it. I love going on. A, if I was uh, totally retired, I think I would enjoy an hour bike ride every day. And then we've got two dogs go for walking the dogs every day and then reading and staying active with, I I love reading about business and um, how things are changing almost daily, both the U S and globally. I enjoy that Uh talking business. I'll probably um, still be involved with various groups and um, still do a little mentoring at, uh, um, my college and where the two older kids graduated from Gustavus Adolphus college here in Minnesota, helping with uh-huh. their entrepreneur program and um, things like that. I, I never, uh, the, the fear of me becoming bored is not even, not even on the radar. So I don't worry about that. And that is, that's been a deliberate thing. I get the sense that it's something that you feel is really important is to maintain that sense of purpose and identity beyond the business yes. so, so that you're not, you know, kicking your heels thinking, what can I do now? Which, which can either lead you to hanging around to the, with, at the business too much and, and getting in people's way or, or being bored at home. Yeah. Um, I don't, People that know me, I don't think would ever worry about me sitting around being bored. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's I know a lot. Of, yeah. I, when you were saying that, Russ, I, I have friends that sit and they could tell they could tell me they've got you know two years, four weeks, and two days left. I'm like, man, yeah, man, I feel bad for them. Um, uh, I've never, I ever, I, I like coming to work. Obviously, so yeah. that's what hit me. I, I'm in no dire straits here to get out of here and um, it's a well-run machine with or without me so why not hang on a bit longer yeah absolutely um and so how did you start those discussions around succession planning was it something that you and jeff sat down and spoke about did did it involve everybody the the, the family and non-family members It, it it was primarily um jeff and i probably more than than anyone else, just because he is 10% owner. And then I've got the other 90. And um, this fall, we were toying with the idea there was a company uh, interested in possibly acquiring us. So Jeff and I got together and laid everything out, the pros and and cons, and what do we really have here? And what do we really want? And um, it was vitally important to me to know that um, Jeff's in this for the long haul. He's not going anywhere. So yeah. um, with that being said, it helped me with the decision saying, no, uh, we're still growing nicely each year. I don't think, I don't think this is the year to sell and um, maybe never. So uh, that was a decision that was made. And um, 
I felt good about making it and um, really haven't thought about it again. So that's why it was good you asked me because I'll just keep looking at 65 and just keep trying to uh-huh. grow year after year and um, see what happens in the years to come. Yeah, and I guess it, there's the, the option as well to, to potentially look at um, sort of passing ownership down at some stage if it's right and, and feasible to to christen your your daughter. Yeah. Um, if that's something that that would appeal to them, I uh, I believe it would. I don't think uh, they're interested in trying to go out into the field and find a different job somewhere else. Um, and I believe that with the core group we have here, uh, we'll be able to maintain this because we, all our products are manufactured outside. So we have no manufacturing uh-huh. here. We do some importing, but there's five factories, um, primarily in Minnesota and Wisconsin, the two states here that manufacture everything for us and we ship it all. So we're very nimble. We can, we could switch gears in a heartbeat. We could add products even in a different category, not necessarily paint, but mm-hmm. um, that's what hit me too about hanging on. And um, the ability that we have to distribute product is very, very good. And mm-hmm. uh, we'd be able to uh, continue that for, uh, for years and years and years until things change, but that's yet to be seen. Yeah. And do you still... Um, come up with new ideas as to to new products is it is innovation something that you're keen to to maintain yeah that's um that that's one thing i i love to do and and so does jeff and and chris too is is uh quite creative and almost every product we have for painting is simply going in the field or going into various retail stores whether it's a Sherwin-Williams, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, and walking down the aisles and looking the product at what products are there and what products have been there for a long time. And our, our comment is always, there's room for improvement here. This is not a good product. And that's where mm-hmm. basically all of ours have come from. So um, I think we'll continue to find opportunity there. Yeah, it it certainly sounds as if that's going to be um, the case. Um, and, and do you know? Uh, again, you don't have to share it if if you don't want to. But do you know how Chris uh, and and your um, daughter, sorry, I didn't catch your daughter's yeah, name, uh, Britta. Britta. So did do they talk about your succession and and their own roles within the business? You know, um, not yet. Um, Britta's thirty one. Chris is thirty four. But um, it's probably time. One of my one of my goals this this spring was to uh, go out to breakfast, lunch, and or happy hour with everybody here. So I was out mm-hmm. to with son Chris yesterday, and I've got uh, breakfast with Britta coming up. And I want to keep that. I, I, I want to keep doing that. Hopefully, uh, two or three times a year, and talk about things mm-hmm. like face to face with the two of us. So um, that's a very interesting question, and, and now is a good time to start with that. Yeah. And I guess that the, um, f- from what I'm understanding of, of how things have hap- happened today and, and have been very successful today, uh, a strong underpin to that is how open you are in your communication. 
but both within the family unit and within the business itself. There seems to be an awful lot of communication, which um, all, I, I don't know of any situation um, within a business that isn't helped by better or more communication. It's certainly, uh, sorry, that it is helped by less communication. Yeah. So, so, I, so it seems that communication is really, really important. I agree. We share, uh, everyone knows what uh, the monthly sales goal is. Uh, so right now, February started, we're starting all over again every month. Uh, uh, we go back to zero. Just like when you start a new year, it's like, well, yeah. 16, 17 was a good year. Now we get to start all over again. But the <laughs> yeah. yeah, the communication is um, is open on that. Everyone knows what our what our goals are, and um, uh, yeah, I think I think that's vitally important. If if the owner or whatever sits in his office and keeps everything to himself with no real direction to uh, the crew, I don't think that's really the healthiest situation. To be honest, mm. yeah. I would agree. Um, we we may have covered this already, but but if you had one tip that that you could pass on to other family businesses, what would that be? Um, I I think that obviously I got very very lucky in being able to uh, plug Jeff in between myself and the kids. Not that there was any issue there or whatever, but um, it makes everything that much that much better that um, I can let Jeff know what I'm thinking and then um, he can hopefully take that and run, which he does. So um, I guess my thought would be if that's a possibility, uh, I, I, in my position anyway, that was a, a great situation to be in. But I, I mm-hmm. understand that that's easier said than done. Yeah, and I, I guess in, in some respects, it, it, it's a, an advantage to the business to, to be able to have um, somebody in, in Jeff's role. But, but it could have been, a solution could have been to, to move Chris to that kind of role if, if you were just insistent on it being family operated so what what i think you've done successfully is to bring the right person into the right role at the right time mm-hmm. for the overall benefit of the business which then obviously benefits the family and often what can happen is family members are moved into that role perhaps before they're ready um, or because they have the surname and that doesn't necessarily help either the family or the business. Yeah, you're absolutely right, which would have been the case here. Both uh, Chris and Britta are not uh, to the level of being the president here, and they would admit to that. Uh-huh. And um, Jeff came with all these years and years and years of experience that they uh, they admire and respect. So um, I think that's key, too. You can't just hire someone and put them in the position if there's if there's no respect and he's earned yeah. it so um that's the way that that's why it works that's great um and mark where can our audience find out more about you yeah very very i'm not a i'm not a very technical person they would laugh around here if they heard that but i'm not <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on linkedin but uh i'm not really active and um 
that's what's been great about uh, Chris's wife, who uh, is my daughter-in-law, Meg. Um, she's uh-huh. our social media person, and she loves it and drives it and works with all kinds of bloggers and the PR firm. That's, that's how you and I met. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not active by any means of that, uh, by social media, but I understand how valuable it is. And I understand that we have to be involved and spend money and do what we need to do because, uh, it's, it's interesting. Our sales continue to grow and we don't always know why. And we say, well, Mm -hmm. you know, activity in social media certainly isn't hurting, you know, to grow the business. So I'm open to it. Great. Well, we'll, we'll put some links up in the show notes, um, for your website, um, and uh, as I say, I'm looking at it now, and that the, rather than the, the corporate photos that you often see on um, websites, uh, your your photo is you lying uh, in a pool in, in a on an inflatable, looking very relaxed. Um, Jeff is, I'm not sure what Jeff is doing. He he's jumping on a sand dune from the looks of it. It, it it's uh, it's a, a great site, so I'll uh, I'll link that up in the in the show notes um but but obviously thank you very much for for sharing your story it's a fantastic um story to hear and i know our audience will take a lot away from the successes you're um you're having um so so thank you very much thank you russ very nice talking with you that's it for this week we hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like to leave us a review please feel free to do so on itunes If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fanbizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.